How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma City Thunder, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello there, everyone. We're locked in for episode 111 of Locked On Thunder, presented by the Norman Transcript. I'm your host, Fred Katz. Locked On Thunder is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Head on to iTunes and search Locked On Thunder. You can subscribe to the podcast there, uh, and you can leave a review once you're on that page also. Find us on audioboom.com as well. And log on to normantranscript.com to check out my blog, Thunder Road, under the Sports tab on the site, and you can find all my Thunder coverage there. I'm on every day of the week, Monday through Friday. Friday episode today, of course, and I've got a wonderful guest here. I'm in my I'm in my hotel room in Boston at the the Courtyard Marriott downtown, and sitting next to me from uh, I'm just gonna say he's an internet internet superhero, Michael Michael V Pina MVP. Hi Fred, how are you? I'm wonderful that you're here. I'm. This is a blessing. <laughs> you know, the view outside. We're looking out the window right now. It's a little cloudy, but um, all sunshine in here. You're the first non-J King guest that I've had. Well, I'm filling some big shoes then. <laughs> Does J King actually have big shoes? He wears, I don't want to call J King out right now, but he wears these Please call uh, muddy boots basically everywhere. <laughs> and uh, I've been meaning to talk to him about that because he made fun of my turtleneck the other night and I'm trying to get back at him. And Jay and I have done like four podcasts. So... Now, now we got now we got you. He's he's missing out on the jacket for the fifth. Uh, so the reason Pina covers uh, the Celtics for Bleacher Report, and the reason he's coming on is because we're in Boston right now, and uh, the Thunder played Wednesday night in New Orleans, won that game one twenty one to one ten, and they've got Boston for the second time and the final time this season on Friday night. That first game was a, a 99-96 Thunder win, December eleventh. That was the game that Victor Oladipo got hurt when he jumped over Jonas Jarebko, uh, closing out on that shot in the corner, and, and he took that nasty fall. The Thunder won that game, but Boston's been inconsistent this year. Is there anything that you saw happen in that game that you can take away? It's like, all right, here's what the Celtics can definitively do better the second time around. Um, well, I will say that that game went down to the wire, obviously, and they did not have their best offensive player. Isaiah Thomas did not play in that game. So he's been their closer all year. We saw in Memphis the other night, he went bananas in the fourth quarter. I think he scored 44 in the game, a career high. Uh, so he's everything for them in, in, in crunch time and in the clutch. And so they clearly missed him there. Uh, that said, that was a winnable game for them. Um, kind of a flip of the coin ending, I would say. And when one team has Russell Westbrook, who made some plays down the end, and one team doesn't have their closer, they really struggle. That's shocking. <laughs> That's my deep analysis. That that was one of Westbrook's best five games of the year, I'd say. And that was that was the game that, that broke his triple-double streak, I think. Uh, 37-12-6 and six or something like that. Um, and that was the game that broke the, the seven-game triple-double streak. That was, I thought he was amazing. 
in that game. That was a that game. I don't know if you watched them play the Lakers earlier this year uh, when he was like absurd in that game. Best game of the year was the second Phoenix game, twenty six, twenty two, and eleven. His numbers just really don't make a lot of sense this year. Do they? Are you having fun covering him? Like, yeah, it's 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 actually a little boring. Like, okay, here's here's why. Watching him play is not boring at all, but covering him, like doing a game story, okay, it's fun mundane. Doing, right, I understand. It's, it's it just. Obviously, if you're a fan, it, there's nothing boring about it. And, like, as a basketball fan in general, it's great to watch. But when you have to write 82 game stories a year, and the story in every single game is just, hey, Russell Westbrook played amazingly well, then it gets a little boring to write that by the 29th time. Like, last night, I was sitting there, I was like, okay, Russell Westbrook, the Thunder won. Russell had 46 points. And, or whatever it was, I think it was 46 and 10 boards and 7 assists and dominated at the rim. Or 42 last night, I think. 46 the other night. Uh, you know, he's had 51. Like, where he's... Ho-hum. Yeah. <laughs> Ho-hum. He's leading the league in scoring. Like, it just gets... When the story... And it's it's such... It's so dominating. Like, even when he doesn't play well. Like, the numbers are still 20-something points and... And ten boards and six assists and like it's still the story of the game from the Thunder perspective. And it's just like at one point, I just kind of want to be able to write something about Ennis Canner. No, I, I totally get what you're saying. And me, me personally, I'm so I'm writing a piece about the Thunder uh, for this weekend after the game, and it's like I don't even the obvious angle is Russell Westbrook, but like that bone has been picked. Like I don't know an angle or a story that. I haven't read that is interesting about the guy. I mean, he's normalizing greatness. His numbers, I'm looking at them right now, his usage percentage is like just, it's 10 points higher than it was last year. And last year it was like one of the five highest in the league. It's the the highest usage percentage of all time. So you look at that and you look at his per game numbers, his, his raw stats, which are 30, 10, and 10, which... I mean, it's 26, like, you, 2016, like, you can't be averaging those numbers. It doesn't make any sense. And, you know, it's still the first couple months of the year. Um, we'll see if this levels off a little bit. I would probably not be willing to bet against that. Like, I don't think I would even be surprised if he finished with a triple-double, would you, from seeing what you've No, seen? no, I wouldn't. Not at all. I, I thought it was insane at the start of the year, but... Exactly. Normali- he's normalizing it. Yeah. It's unbelievable. But, no, I... I I wouldn't be surprised at all. You know, there are two stats that people talk about all the time with Westbrook, like the two records he's chasing. I guess triple-double's not really a record because Oscar Robertson did it, but, like, it's a record in the modern-day NBA. He'd be the first guy to do it in the modern-day NBA, second ever to average a triple-double. Now, obviously, everyone talks about that. And then everyone talks about, is he going to set the usage rate record, um, you know, the post-wilt usage rate record, uh, which he might. But something that I don't know why no one is really talking about Honestly, it might be the most impressive of all of them is that he could become the second player ever to lead the league in scoring and assists in the same season. And that is what a lot of people thought Harden was going to do before the year started. Harden still could. Harden, exactly. Ex- yeah, I mean. Harden is has been as good as Westbrook this year. I wrote an article about basically ranking the top 10 MVP candidates. And because, I mean, this year, 
it's just we kind of knew heading in just because even though there's these two super teams, uh, I think that um, a lot of superstar talent is spread out around the league. You have Anthony Davis with the Pelicans, Westbrook, Harden, Kawhi. These guys kind of had their have their own teams. Uh, so LeBron, obviously. Um, so the MVP race is just it's almost anybody's game. And I have Harden just slightly ahead of Westbrook just because I think Westbrook's, you know, efficiency kind of hurts him a little bit. Plus, the Rockets are better than the Thunder. So that's the only two metrics I would, or measurements I'm I'm using to put Harden above Westbrook. But, I mean, everybody, these guys are just so incredible right now. I'm glad that we don't have to vote right now. It's really hard. It would be impossible. Yeah, (laughs) it's really hard to... It reminds me of um, 2014-15 with Curry and Harden, where there was kind of no wrong answer. Who did like, you have? Who did you have that year? Well, I didn't have a vote. Sure, but I, I mean, yeah, Harden. Harden. Me Harden. too. Me I thought too. it was Harden. Yeah, but like I was fine with Curry winning. Like Curry, Curry was obviously a more than legitimate MVP winner. I had no problem. Like either one of those guys winning, I was just going to be totally fine with either of those guys winning because. They were both so incredible that year. Um, but but this kind of reminds me of that. Like, and it's just Harden and Westbrook instead of Harden and Curry. And there are other guys who are good. Like Durant is having an unbelievable season. LeBron has been LeBron. Uh, Kawhi's fallen off a little bit, uh, but he's still obviously been incredible. Like Curry is still having a great year. Not as, not as great as last year, but still having a great year. Uh, if Chris Paul carries the Clippers with Blake Griffin out again, like – like he did, like he's gonna enter, like not not the not the winning it category probably, but but like a top five candidate. Um, so like there are a lot of really good, a lot of really good guys who who are like really strong MVP candidates this year. Yeah, um, the Kawhi Leonard slander. I'm not really gonna let you uh, buy with that. Um, you don't think he, the first like two weeks of the year when he was scoring at that absurd rate. Sure. I mean, some of his numbers are down a little bit. I mean, he's scoring. More. I don't mean down from last year. I mean down down from like the first two weeks of the okay, season. Yeah. People are like, oh, he's the MVP. Yeah, sure. And then I love Kawhi Leonard. Okay. He's great. He's a top five player. Thank you. Okay, we can move on. Yeah, <laughs> he's fantastic. He's best defensive player in the league, and he's one of the best offensive players in the league. Hey, don't don't accuse me of not being uh, being into Kawhi Leonard's game. I think he's fantastic. Okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Kawhi Leonard slander. You sounded like a Twitter egg just now. I said that Kawhi Leonard isn't scoring or, or playing quite as well as he was in the first couple weeks of the season. I'm sorry. My, my Kawhi alert went off, so yeah. I heard someone say something bad about you my man. Like, I like can't a, have it. Sound, <laughs> sound like a Twitter egg. <laughs> um, Isaiah Thomas is having a really good year. Point guards are so strong now. What, what tier is he? Where is he? I don't think he's quite as bad on defense as people say he is. He's not. He, he's he's kind of feisty he, on the ball. You know, there are things he does. But he's not an ideal Westbrook defender. Although he's no. not going to guard Westbrook. Well, no. Yes, correct. He, he Basically, just looking at their roster construction, you would hide someone who's not as good a defender as Marcus Smart or Avery Bradley on the weakest perimeter player. So that, He's going to guard Robertson. Exactly, yeah. Um, but the thing about... Thomas is, I mean, he, we'll see what happens in the playoffs if they make a run and teams really go at him. But for now, I mean, he fights over screens. Uh, he really bothers point guards when he's on ball, 
uh, primary ball handlers from behind in the pick and roll. Uh, he knows where to be. He's a, he's a really scrappy, smart help defender, uh, gets steals. I know steals aren't the BL and all metric anymore, but he gets steals, um, creates not as much havoc as Bradley and Smart, but he creates a little bit of havoc. And there are things, you know, his flaws, he can't really do anything about them. I mean, he contests shots, uh, and I don't think shooters even see him or see his, like, fingertips when he's coming at them um, because he's just a tiny person. Uh, And that's not really anything that he can help, but at the same time, that is a weakness that is very real. Um, But if we're putting him in a tier with the other, you know, elite point guards in the league. Who would you rather have, him or Kyle Lowry? You know, that's so funny you said that, because Lowry... Well, to answer your question, it would probably be Lowry. Um, Yeah, me too. I I like Lowry. I like his dogged nature, and he is a better defender, even though he's, like, an inch taller. Um, But... Lowry's, like, bigger, though. He's bigger, yeah. You can't back him down, which right. is another thing that I Lowry think... is like. He's not as he's like built like an Eric Bledsoe, or he's not as tall as like Marcus Smart, but like he's he's like big in the chest, you know. Like yeah, you can't put him like put your butt into him on the block and make like push him a foot. You can't do that, which as you can do with a guy like Thomas. Um, so I would take Lowry. I mean, if we're going down the list, I would take Curry, Westbrook. Um, you know, I, I think the ascension of guys like Kemba Walker um, really makes that – that's kind of the tier he's on. I would say like 1B because these guys are really, really good players. He's just not on a Chris Paul level. But he's a read and react, pick and roll point guard who, you know, he's averaging like 26 a night efficiently. And he is their go-to guy down the stretch. And they have the one of the best clutch offenses in the league. Mike, I just want to take a quick second to talk about SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for football or basketball games you want to see up close and in person this season. There's nothing like being in the stadium for the biggest plays of the year, and with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the guaranteed seats you want for great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats for this weekend's or any game this season. And with SeatGeek, you always have the best deal on every ticket, because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek will always find you the lowest available price. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck, too. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see an underpriced seat and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Plus, every ticket you buy on SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, go to the Settings tab, Click add a promo code, enter the promo code LO Thunder, LO like locked on, and SeatGeek sends you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code LO Thunder today. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So we talked about how Isaiah Thomas is going to be guarding Andre Robertson most likely. And, and last time they played, uh, you know, the defensive matchups were going to be a little bit different because Thomas wasn't playing. Uh, but the Celtics used Marcus Smart a lot 
on Russell Westbrook. Um, you know, Jay Crowder is a guy who, you know, they at least feel comfortable switching on to him. And, you know, they, they have a lot of really switchy, versatile defenders on the wing. Like, that's the strength of this defense. So why has the Celtics defense? I thought this defense was going to be um, like a contender. I thought them and Utah were going to be like one and two in the league coming into the year. Um, and it's like been pretty, I mean, Utah has been good, but, but Boston has been pretty far off from that this year. They got off to a really, really bad start defensively. Like, don't get mad at me on that too. It was just, <laughs> <laughs> I work for the team. Come on. They, no, you work for Kawhi. You're Kawhi's intern. That's right. Exactly. You're Kawhi's intern. Um, but they, they got to a really, really, they were like, what were they, like 29 or 28 on in defense, like a week and a half, two weeks into the season or something like it that? It wasn't good. No, it wasn't good. And um, They've been better lately, but they're still down. Well, late, okay, so in December, I think it's, yeah, in the month of December, I think they're fourth in defensive rating. So they've made strides. And I think a lot of that is just, the simple answer is health. So Al Horford's been healthy. Jay Crowder's been healthy. Uh, even uh, in games where Isaiah Thomas, who we just talked about his defense, he missed games, and that kind of gives more minutes to Marcus Smart, who's one of the best defenders at his position in the league. So they're forcing more turnovers, um, and I think they're second in forced turnovers in December, which at the beginning of the – last year they were third overall. And at the beginning of the year, that was one of their big weaknesses. They couldn't force turnovers and get out in transition, which is really how their offense – it really makes their offense go. Um, and then another thing is defensive rebounding. So they'll get stops, and then teams will get second opportunities because this team is not big. And that's not really a solvable problem unless they trade someone or bring someone new in who can rebound, which, I, you know, I don't know – who they would move, or, or that's a totally different conversation. But when you go small and you play Crowder at the four, you play three guards, Al Horford, who isn't the rebounder he used to be, and you're going to have some problems. And uh, so I think that those were the biggest reasons that were kind of holding them back, and, and defensive rebounding still is not um, – at a really good level. I don't even think it's above average right now, um, or even in the month of December. But, you know, they're making strides defensively, and uh, we'll see where they finish up at the end of the year. I think they're 12th overall, and I think that they can get better. Rebound battle is going to be interesting tomorrow night. Because the Thunder, the Thunder aren't quite as good. Well, they're actually, honestly, they're not close to as good as they were offensive rebounding last year. They were they had over a 30%. Uh, offensive rebound rate as a team last year, and they were like the best in the league relatively comfortably. I think Detroit was second, um, which makes sense because like Andre Drummond alone would have been second. Uh, but like when you have Andre Drummond and when the other team has Ennis Kanter, like those teams are going to be really high up. Uh, this year they're still in the top 10 in offensive rebounding, but like they're down. And I, I uh, did not prepare enough to check where that was for this podcast, but they're somewhere. Uh, <laughs> there's somewhere where it's like they're an above average team, but they're not the absolute like elite of the elite. Are you looking that up right now? They're fifth in offensive rebound rate yeah, right now. Um, and they've been kind of in that like five to eight range all year on offensive rebounding, but going up against teams with who are, I mean, five is still very good, but they're going up against teams who are, you know, every once in a while, and they go up against a team that's bottom five, bottom ten defensive rebounding team. Like, that's a matchup. But, like, I don't think you can game plan to exploit that. I think it's just kind of something 
that happens throughout a game because if you become you just pound the glass, right? That's but what if, they will do. But if you become overzealous, then they get killed in transition. And there are times where like they'll get hurt in transition as a team because they they get a little bit too anxious on the offensive boards. And so I don't think I think Billy Donovan kind of makes sure not to tell them like, "Hey, we're going to kill them, but let let's be extra aggressive on the offensive boards tonight." I don't think he really likes that. He they don't send like four guys to the offensive glass like Westbrook improvs and and does stuff. And he actually has, um, at least in my opinion, I think he actually has better recognition than people give him credit of. Like, he doesn't indiscriminately fly for offensive rebounds. Um, he's pretty good at reading the flight of the the flight of the ball and, and knowing when to go in for rebounds and, and when not to go in for rebounds. Canner will indiscriminately fly at rebounds. But they send, they send two guys at rebounds and three guys back for the most part. Um, and I think that's something they'll probably continue. But, like, if they have Canner on the floor – like this is a matchup, I think, depending on you know how 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 well Horford is doing and and how much Horford could potentially hurt them. Like this is a matchup where Canner's positives, like his negatives, could end up hurting him here, but his positives could end up really helping that team too. And the Thunder, I think they're the number one transition defense in the league. I just looked that up a little while ago. Is that right? Yeah. So uh, to your point, their ability to be in the top five in offensive rebound rate and have the number one transition defense is exceptional. And I guess the question is, with Cantor, um, obviously he can really do some damage on the offensive glass against a team like the Celtics. But on the other end, who is he going to guard if they go small? And I don't know how often Cantor's played the five alone in small ball lineups. I don't think really at all this year, or you can correct me on that, but who's he going to guard? And because you just mentioned Horford, Horford is shooting a ton of threes this year. Um, Crowder is, you know, uh, not a great matchup for someone like Cantor. He can go off the dribble, shoot threes. So um, I don't know. It's kind of a push or pull thing. And he's only averaging, I think, 20 minutes a night. Cantor is. So we'll see how many minutes um, he plays tomorrow night and kind of if he's able to attack that mismatch. Something that the Thunder actually are good at as a transition team defensively, um, they turn it over a lot, which is also an interesting reason as to why they're good, you know they're still good in transition in spite of that um, defensively. They're really good at. Uh, I was looking at. Do you ever check? Uh, what is it? The the unpredictable. Is it unpredictable.com? The unpredictable.com. I have it bookmarked. It is. So I forget it. Unpredictable. Unpredictable. That's right. I knew it was something weird. I just. Do, I don't want to sound stupid and say unpredictable, and then people think unpredictable. I think unpredictable is a word. Uh, yeah, unpredictable. They have you know the stats on how quickly you 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 put up shots after getting offensive, you know, defensive rebounds and after, you know, turning the ball over and that kind of stuff. And the Thunder are really good uh, after turning the ball over, which is really big considering how often they turn the ball over. There you go. You're so efficient on your computer. Where are they right now in in points uh, allowed after turning it over? Points allowed after turning it over. You yeah. keep talking for two Let's seconds while I because it's not it's not just the the points that they're giving up. It's that they don't give up shots. Uh, they're, fourth. they're fourth. They're fourth. So that makes sense. Um, and that that adds up. That's like a big thing considering how often they turn it over. And something that they're also good at with that is they're good at getting back. A lot of this is Andre Robertson. He's he's had so many plays this year where he gets back on time. Um, 
and just kind of forces a guy to just pull back and they go into their half court offense. Uh, and they give up shots really slowly after turning it over, which is a really, that's a really important thing. Um, that's a really important thing. I think a lot of that is Robertson. I guess a lot of, I've asked them before, like they all say there's no trick to that. It's just like run back really hard. They all say like, it's just run back really hard in transition. And like, I guess, I get, I mean, that makes sense. Like you'd think it would be more complicated than that because then everybody, you'd think more people would just be good at it, but I mean, I, it makes sense that that would be the only thing that it is, right? Yeah, I, can, I mean... I, I think can. it's also recognition picking up your man, too. Sure, and having the intelligence and the wherewithal to know where you are on the court, balancing the court. Um, funny you bring up Robertson, because I've been thinking about him a lot lately, and just, is he the best two-guard defender in the whole league right now? Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, he's he tremendous. Every time I watch him play, he's he, incredible. He's all defense good for sure. He he's I mean basically every time someone stands out on defense, you say, "Oh, they're the they, we got to give him defensive player of the year um love." Um I don't know if I'm willing to go that far, but I mean like Patrick Beverly said the other day, he's the best defender in the league and I'm like, "You're not even you're like under Robertson, man." Like He's incredible. He's, he's having such a good year. And that's coming from his breakout playoff performance where, you know, he he didn't shut down um, Kawhi Leonard, but he made – and, and um, yeah, Kawhi Leonard, and, but he made his life miserable. And he's just – he's tremendous. So I just wanted to give some love to Andre Robertson. James – James – there's been a lot of Andre Robertson love on this podcast. Uh, James Harden, uh, what is he shooting in games against the Thunder this year? It's like – Horrible. He was he was four for sixteen in the first game, and he, I think he was five for twenty three in the second game, and that was pretty much with Robertson guarding him the whole time. Um, he's also got fourteen turnovers, I think, in those games. It's nice to have you here with your computer, so you can look this stuff up. That's what I'm here for. We can all see how like unprepared both of us were, and we're just looking it up in in the middle of the game. What do we got? He's shooting twenty six percent against the Thunder this year. Yep, averaging 17 a night, and he's averaging, like, plus 30 against just about everybody else. So that's something. Yeah, and he's turning over He's turned over 14 times in two games. And it's funny because it'll be, it'll be interesting um, to see how often he's matched up with uh, Thomas and, and whether he has the foot speed to hang with him. Or... I, think, I think he can. He, he guarded he – guarded, he guards everyone now. Like, it's not – he was a two-guard defender, and they think he's best as a two-guard defender. Like, I know the organization wants him um, guarding ones and twos as opposed to bigger guys. But, like, he's guarded Kawhi in the playoffs last year. Um, he sh- he didn't inc- – maybe his best game of the year was the one in New York when he just shut down Carmelo Anthony. Like, every single shot. I know Melo's not having his greatest year ever. But, like, his quality of looks in that game, uh, they were – Horrific. Like everything was forcing him mid range. Um, he read every single screen that was coming over for Mello and just got over it with ease. Like hand in the face the entire time. He was he was so good in that game. And a lot of um, his sorry to cut you off. A lot of his greatness is in ball denial. I mean, he doesn't mm-hmm. even let guys get the ball. And, and well, that's, that's why he's done a great job on Clay Thompson. Mm-hmm. He's done a great job on JJ Redick. Um, he's guarded like. He's guarded J.J. Redick and Chris Paul on the same possessions and shut them down. Like, he, they're, they're, he's, done, he's done a really great job. I, I think if he keeps this up, he's 
I don't know if he'll make all defense because a lot of it has to do with stupidly reputation. And like, I don't know at 24 years old, if he or 25 now, I think he is. I don't know if he has gotten the reputation yet. Like he got one, I think Mike Fratello was the only person to vote for him on all defense last year. Uh, the czar put him second team, but uh, I, I don't know if you can make that jump when like, this is an award where like, Kobe stayed on for two or three years when he still couldn't defend and like I think the voters are a little more intelligent now and especially That's you, probably true. You look at what he did in the playoffs last year, that's kind of when you come out and everybody takes note and a lot of people noticed his play, I think, last year in the postseason. Um and so I wouldn't be surprised if he made a team and um, you know, the first team shooting guard last year was Avery Bradley. And Bradley's been really good this year, but, you know, you tend to notice as his offensive responsibilities increase, his defense, he hasn't been bad at all, but he hasn't been that elite on-ball threat. I mean, there are moments in games, I think they're kind of saving him in the fourth and unleashing him on on point guards. Um, Most notably, the job he did against Mike Conley the other night was absolutely out of this world. So I don't want to take anything again, away from from Bradley, but just the the uh, physical gifts that Robertson has that Bradley does not, and just his ability to stay in front of guys, also wreak havoc uh, from the weak side as a help defender, just with his length and his anticipation. I think Robertson has got him beat this year. Before we go, what do you got to plug? Ooh, um, usually I just plug my Twitter account because what's your handle again? Michael V. Pina. The real MVP? That's exactly right. Michael Valencia Pina. That's not correct. (laughs) (laughs) You can't prove that. So people, yeah, if you want to follow me there, that would be wonderful. Um, I will be writing a piece on the Thunder after tomorrow night's game, most likely about the, the angle I'm fishing right now is kind of the Serge Ibaka trade. And kind of evaluating that. I know Victor Oladipo probably will not play, and he's been hurt. But before he got hurt, he was one of the team's best three-point shooters, I think. So just kind of how those guys are fitting. Sabonis, Grant, who's shooting like 45% from deep. And it's just like one of the most unsustainable stats in the league right now. But shout out to him. Uh, So grading that deal, seeing how how things are going with that is probably what I'm going to be writing about. So you can check that out if you follow me at The Real MVP. Just kidding. (laughs) It's Michael Vipina. Thank you. The Real real MVP, (laughs) Michael Vipina, who looks exactly like Patty Mills, for those of you. No comment. Looks so much. But I will say that Patty Mills is a handsome fellow. Yeah. (laughs) Whenever I see Patty Mills, I think of you. Uh, And you can remember I'm on every weekday, Monday through Friday, and you can head on to iTunes to subscribe to Locked on Thunder. Questions, comments, email LockedOnThunder at gmail.com, and you can find me on Twitter at Fred Katz, F-R-E-D-K-A-T-Z. Log on to NormanTranscript.com and check out my blog there, Thunder Road, under the Sports tab on the site, and you can see all my Thunder coverage. That's going to do it for today. Off for the weekend, uh, the Thunder, I guess i got to say Merry Christmas to everybody. I don't even think of Christmas. Happy holidays. Yeah, Merry Merry, <laughs> Merry Christmas to everyone. Because uh, the Thunder play on Christmas. They play Minnesota. I'll do I'll do a Christmas podcast after uh, after that game. Actually, you know what? I haven't even thought about it. Am I going to do a Christmas podcast? Maybe I'll do. Maybe I'll do a Christmas podcast. Oh, should I say Happy Hanukkah too? Yeah, man. It's, it's Saturday. Yeah, that's true. Rip Hanukkah starts. Well, I guess Hanukkah starts. <laughs> Hanukkah starts in a couple days. There you go. Yeah, Hanukkah stealing Christmas Eve's thunder.
Mm. Classic Hanukkah. Another uh, subject for another podcast. Classic Hanukkah <laughs> move. All right. Thanks to Mike for coming on. That's going to do it for today. Uh, I'll be back Monday. I'll do a Christmas podcast. I, I, I don't know. I have no right to take off on Christmas. So I'm going to the game. I'm writing anyway. Might as well do a podcast. So I'll be back Monday. And until then, Locked on Thunder is locking up. Thunder.